0: Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, Johnny. Yes, we are back here for hour number three on a Tuesday, and uh, you know, Kenny, I wish we'd have had more time to talk to Dave. Oh, that is it. What color? Um, you decide. <laughs> What's that note? Oh my, my wife is here. We were talking about an anniversary gift, and I, she said, "What color?" And I said, "You decide." Anyway. Um, do
2: you have an on-air I, light in your door when your microphone... No,
1: I need to have one, <laughs> Kenny. Can you get me well,
2: one? Well, it might not do any good because I have one and people still
1: come in here and bug me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask uh, our Eng- Swedish engineer for one, but uh, yeah, I figured that wouldn't help. Okay, so I do have doors that I can close. Oh, so
2: what's the going on
1: then there? Or? Well... I, I I was saying, I was going to say, I wish we'd had more time to talk to Dave because I'm fascinated yeah, yeah. by the military intelligence stuff. And I would have asked him, what do you suppose America is trying to think that they're going to get out of that downed Russian balloon or uh, Russian Chinese balloon? Because, you know, they have found parts of it. Have you seen? Have you seen? Well, that happens
2: that they, with a lot of things that you buy from China. Things made in China tend to fall apart, and that's what you end up with—just <laughs> a lot of parts.
1: <laughs> huh? Well, that's kind of what happened here too. No, seriously, they have found the the outside structure of the balloon, and they were dragging it in. They had military personnel dragging it into a boat that they had, and it had kind of a a little bit of a metal superstructure underneath it that had looked like it could fold open and collapse and stuff. But the key is going to be that uh, that unit that was hanging underneath it, that looked like it was uh, uh, maybe even solar panels that may have ran a camera system or a communication system of some kind. That's the kind of stuff that I, I would have loved to have been privy to find out what is in that. They're saying now this morning, Kenny, and I don't know how truthful this is or anything, but they're saying now we may have had... As many as ten other incursions by the Chinese that we knew nothing about because nobody knew it was there, nobody saw it. See, the only reason we knew this one was because you could actually see it in the clear, bright skies of Montana when it uh, showed up there, which, which leads me to believe that we got some real issues in our uh, uh, in our enemy detection system. If we can't detect a balloon like that coming uh, from Alaska, coming down through Canada, and now entering the northern space of our nation, if we couldn't see the last 10, if we just found this one only because somebody had some great-looking eyes and they could see it, up and they see the sun reflecting off it and thought, what the heck is that? And then they got glasses and could magnify it and see that it was a balloon of some sort because this may have been going on for a long time and one one of the uh sites i was on this morning said you know this this may not have been carrying a bomb but what's to say it may not have been carrying covid or some bacterial yeah. uh, stuff that they wanted to drop all over the country.
2: Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I'll save some of them because, well, first of all, the latest from our newswire is that most of the wreckage from that spy balloon has been cleared from the Carolinas coast. Now, here's what it says. Most of the wreckage has been cleared off the coastlines. That's sure. the word from the North American Aerospace Defense Command. It says a crew from the USS Carter Hall worked to clean the debris. It's possible more debris could wash up on shore in the future. Okay, so they don't know that they have it all. What type of sensitive no. debris would wash up on shore in the future? And uh
1: Brad well, David the... is back. He and, is. And I... And I, I I want to take the initiative to ask him some of this because we normally don't put a guy back on that's been on once, but we ran out of time. Uh, Dave, I, I just wanted to ask him, and, and I know that it's simply speculation on your part because you probably don't know exactly what might have been on that, but just uh, just from your experience in military intelligence, what kinds of things would somebody like the Chinese government have on a balloon like that? Would they be using electronic devices? Would they be filming things? What 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 do you speculate might have been on it?
0: Well and and that's I guess the kind of the point I was uh trying to make Brad is that it's not necessarily the way intelligence like that is done, what we used to do now again I'm speaking to you know forty years ago what we were doing. But sure, I'm sure, sure the you know the approaches and the bigger picture is still still there and you know having to keep behind the curtain in that in that uh you know, command and doing that, um, we have multiple ways of gathering data. I was I operated in scrambler systems, but we had every we had voice systems. We have everything else, and like I started to say, the more um, more of our focus was really on understanding who's communicating with who, how they're communicating, what type of systems they're using. So, with that in mind, I don't think the Chinese would would come across with a big balloon expecting, you know, expecting to get any huge, you know, they're not going to be quote getting any secrets. And, you know, that's what I, I guess what prompted my call was, I've already heard a couple of folks saying, well, you know, we can be assured they didn't really hack into anything, get any secrets or anything like that. But that's their point. When they bring that balloon across, they're building intelligence all of the time of, like I said, who talks to who what types of systems they, they used, um, where they communicated from and to, the, the times. All of that goes into the piece, the big pool. And when I said our work, we used to have to record everything. And it all went back to um, NSA. And they did all the analysis, but it went into the yeah. NSA intelligence pool. So in that respect, I would suspect this this balloon was consistently broadcasting that type of monitor back in terms of information. So there may be nothing in there. I mean, they may not retain anything. They're simply, you know, observing and sending back, relaying, um, you know, that type of information. Right, um, right. Yeah, when, when we used to, it, what it are, was really fast.
1: Dave, what about the uh, what about the fact that China's, uh, you know, tried to come out and immediately say, "Oh, America, no big deal. It's a weather balloon." Is this just a, a you know way to cover their own uh, spying yeah, I, efforts?
0: I I could tell you some um, really in, intriguing stories of um, I guess cover that I saw come out when we were involved in it over incidences, things and. Uh, people happening, you know, just things happening, and they're not going to come out and admit it. They'll always say something. Um, right. But, I mean, even, even when I was working, we, we had about five sites around the world where we could work out of, and one was on semi Alaska. Now, remember, this is the Cold War era with Russia, and so that was really our focus of, of uh, contact. And um, I worked right alongside a Russian linguist, an uh, Air Force guy who had gone to the school and could speak Russian Russian and the reason was if they went to voice then he was there to you know interpret the voice for me and uh, those sorts of things but um, okay. but yeah it's just it's part of their bigger picture. That's what they're doing is they're you notice when you see the old trolleys off the off the or the uh, uh trollers off the coast coast of Florida when they're launching NASA and you got it's a fish oh, sure. with a with a radar yep. turtling around on it. You know, yeah. It's kind of like that. That's the old school stuff. But um, that's what they were doing. I mean, I absolutely no doubt. We used to do the same thing by flying our equipped C 130s up along the Russian border. And we'd have very specific things we'd do. And uh, my focus was Russian air defense systems. So uh, I usually tracked the RADs. We call them and, uh, and But that's all we were looking for. They didn't have to scramble planes, but who picked yeah. us up first?
1: It doesn't have to be. When did they pick it? I guess guess what I hear you saying, Dave, is it doesn't have to be real sophisticated to gather information. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to my days in the service. I ran into a guy one time at Fubai, which was a a fairly Mm -hmm. large base. There were a lot of units there. He was with a. Uh, He was with an Air Force unit that was right in the middle of the base. They had their own security around their little compound. And then the Marines provided security on a bigger basis around that. And I I got into a discussion with this guy at the PX one day. I was buying film for a camera. And uh, he said, man, are are you with the units that are providing security out, out out in the front lines there? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, "I'm in the uh, and he mentioned the name of I don't remember what they said it was, but he said we live in air conditioned little uh, little yeah. huts, and he said if you want to come on our base and eat yeah. some good warm chow, if you can, if you will take me out on the front lines there some night watching for intruders, I'll take you up on there, and we did that. We swapped, and I asked him, I said, so what do you do here in this base?" <laughs> And he, he said it's 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 really very simple. He said, "Brad, we monitor every radio frequency coming yep. out of Hanoi, out of North out of North yep. Vietnam, yep. and anytime and anytime any communication comes across there, we record it, and then we have a translator translate it." Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Brad, I don't I know you guys are limited of time here, but the reason I kind of was chuckling was now I wasn't at Bai, but I was in Vietnam twice for okay. TDY, because when I went through the school, I was the very first class that came out and learned the new digitized systems. And they were starting oh. to use some of those in Vietnam. I went over twice TDY to do training for the people. And sure. I, but I would have been training the guy that you're talking about that was in the Air Force units. And that's why I, I kind of hesitate when I talk to guys like you to uh, refer to myself as a Vietnam vet because I was living in air conditioned barracks and, you know, <laughs> and I, I, was, I was the guy with the good food in the air conditioned barracks. And, so, not uh, bad, <laughs> but not really.
1: Well, that's okay. I didn't hold that against In fact, I love the fact that I got to sleep there one night and I got to eat yeah. in the chow hole, and that was good duty. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it was.
0: I had a top secret code word clearance, and so we, you know, it was just a fascinating job. And yeah, so
1: anyway. Well, listen, thank you for calling back. I appreciate that. That really kind of helps. We got to take our break here, folks. We're running a little bit behind. We'll be back shortly.
2: KDAL time is 124, 32 degrees at the National Weather Service. Lots of sunshine, and that is the singer uh, Dave Lonesome Dave Peverett. Uh, Dave Peverett, uh, Lonesome Dave of the band Foghat, died on this day back in 2000. My goodness, died at the age of 56. Lonesome Dave, one of my favorites of all time, miss him dearly.
1: Twenty-three years ago. Can you imagine that?
2: Uh, No. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I remember the day he died. I remember I was reading the paper, actually. I saw the obituary in the newspaper, and I just yelled out, no. Uh, But uh, one of the best, uh, Dave, lonesome Dave of Foghat.
1: Well, listen, uh, people, I picked up a story this morning out of one of, I think it was out of the Star Tribune and I want to use this opportunity to, again, speak to any parent that might be out there that has not taken the opportunity to talk to their children about drug use and about saying, look, just just because uh, some friend of yours in school, somebody that you've maybe been a friend with offers you something, say, so here, try this. This is really, this is great, boy. It'll really make you feel good here's a Here's a little story this morning, very short, it was only about a paragraph long. Three young students died, and six others were hospitalized in a sting of a of fentanyl overdoses, most of them since December. A string of them. Federal investigators say each overdose traces to a charlatan house in suburban Dallas, located near a high school where juvenile dealers had picked up the drugs and sold them to classmates. So imagine what is going on here. This is fentanyl, by the way. It comes out in the story here. It says, the grim narrative was laid out in a criminal complaint filed against Luis Eduardo Navarrete and Magli Mihaha Cano who appeared Monday in U.S. District Court in Dallas on charges of conspiracy to distribute fentanyl. So basically what happened is these kids unknowingly took this drug because some friend of theirs in school gave it to them, said, oh, it'll make you feel great. And remember, all it takes is one or two grams too much of this product called fentanyl to kill you. And in this case, three young students died. Six others have been hospitalized in a string of overdoses from juvenile dealers picking up drugs at a home right near the high school and bringing them to high school and selling them to their classmates. You've somehow got to tell these kids that you you don't trust anybody to just put anything in your body. You don't know what in the world you're doing, what, what you're putting in there. <clears throat> so the quicker we can get a handle on this fentanyl thing I, is, is going to be great. I think I just don't know how long it's going to take us to really convince enough people that this stuff is just so wrong. I'd like to go back to a story that we were talking about earlier about the the people that are going to be at the uh, State of the Union tonight. You know who else is going to be there tonight, Kenny? Bono. Bono. Remember Bono from U2? Oh, yeah. Bono yeah. is now a, uh, you know, he's a huge, uh, uh, well, he's a huge lib, but but he's he runs a, a he runs some organizations, a couple of very good organizations. Uh, he's the co-founder of One, which is a campaign to fight poverty and preventable diseases, and Red, which fights HIV AIDS in Africa. Uh, other guests will be sitting with the first lady. Uh, and, and, and of course, uh, the one is Tyrone Nichols, the 28-year-old black man who was uh, who had been beaten by Minneapolis police officers. His mother and stepfather will be there. Brandon Shay, uh, it's 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 per, it's pronounced Shay, but it's T S A Y. He's the man that disarmed the Monterey Park gunman, the guy who had killed 11 people at a dance studio, then went to another one and was going to shoot that place up but this brandon shay charged the guy and took the gun away from him beat him with it and had the guy take off he, he told the guy to leave uh, but i guess you know he wasn't really thinking what he was doing he should he could have held the guy there until they arrested him but they did get him and also of course <clears throat> this is uh you know we we've got uh, joe biden who's going to be there and you know joe biden believes in abortion for anybody anywhere anytime there's going to be a Texas woman there who almost died because doctors were concerned that intervening when her pregnancy ran into difficulties would violate the state's abortion ban. So Joe is going to see, see, this woman almost died because you tried to stop the abortion. There's also going to be one of the Massachusetts same sex couples who sued the state of Massachusetts for the right to marry in 2001 so we're going to hear a lot of lefty uh promotional type stuff tonight at that uh, address as well anyway it's upsetting
2: no we didn't do cbs news we can get to that we got a minute or two here but really quickly um and i'm glad you're talking about this because uh they are going to have members of the congressional black caucus Uh, they invited parents and siblings of george floyd eric garner like you said and on and on And they're going to uh, uh, talk and uh, discuss the need for police reform. Following the release of video footage showing Nichols, uh, that would be, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, I'm trying to, uh, Tyree Nichols. um, Tyree Tyree. Tyree Beaten by the five police officers in Memphis. Brad, they they need police reform in Memphis.
1: Yes. You know, you don't need to draw
2: a a broad brush and say we need police reform. You know, Duluth went through an exhaustive... uh, uh, series of uh, um, tests and, and, and uh, right. things where they, they and they passed with flying colors, really. So yeah. is the Duluth Police Department uh, on good standing? I think they are. I hope they are. I
1: would think but so. But Brad,
2: why not bring in some police officers or police union and talk about the good things that they do for our communities. Right. The lives that they save, the things that they do. It's always this one bad cop paints them all bad.
1: We've got to throw the whole thing out and start over from scratch. Yeah, no, that's you're right, that's altogether wrong. Memphis had a very corrupt police system. Uh, even their own members admitted that they had this kind of an undertow uh, special special unit that was made up of bad guys that believed in beating and, and uh, thug-handling uh, criminal types. And that's basically what happened to Tyree. Uh, doesn't mean every police department should be torn apart. It's the old saying again, Kenny, that we hear over and over, but it is so true. In every in every uh, type of uh, business, every type of career, there is one or two bad seeds. That doesn't mean you throw the whole works out. Because there is a, a goofy politician doesn't mean all politicians are corrupt. Uh, sometimes it does, but sometimes it seems that way. Anyway, Joe Biden is going to talk. Uh, he's going to provide uh, the White House... Uh, declined to provide any insight into the uh, writing process of his speech, but he's been practicing his speech. And Corinne Jean Pierre has said that he's uh, he's going to be ready to deliver his uh, his State of the Union speech. The president was a, you know, she says uh, he's, he's had a, lo- a long time to uh, be able to be insightful and know what to say and how to say it. I mean, the guy was a senator for 36 years, a vice president for eight years. He ought to be able to deliver on his feet. He shouldn't have to read everything off a teleprompter, but that's what we see. Anyway, we've got to do our CBS News break, folks. We'll come back shortly.
2: KDAL weather update time is one thirty-seven, thirty-two degrees. We're freezing at the National Weather Service, but it is sunny. Rest of today, mostly sunny and near steady temperatures in the low thirties. Now west winds will continue five to twenty I'm sorry, fifteen to twenty, and gusts could be up to thirty miles an hour out of the west. Tonight mostly clear. Then becoming partly cloudy, cold, lows around 20, southwest winds 5 to 10. And then Wednesday, partly sunny, highs in the mid-30s, southwest winds 5 to 10 miles an hour. So, yeah, relatively mild conditions, and uh, let's enjoy it, huh?
1: Well, listen, uh, a couple other things I want to get into. A couple of local issues. We don't don't talk about local issues that much, but we were just talking about the fact that uh, every... uh, you know, every uh, type of business, every type of, uh, uh, whether you're a butcher, baker, or a candlestick maker, there's good and bad people in there. And the same is true about religions. There was a story uh, in the Duluth paper the other day, which didn't really say much, but it talked about some issues going on up at the big Vinland church, you know, that's uh, up there towards Kenwood. Um now, yesterday or today, I'm reading in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. They're getting a little more specific about it. Uh, an assistant pastor. Now, this is a huge mega church. They've got hundreds and hundreds of people uh, that attend there. An assistant pastor at Binland Church has been suspended, and his father, the church's senior pastor, has been put on leave while authorities investigate allegations of abuse and cover-up. In a video posted to Finland's YouTube page, or Vineland's YouTube page, I should say, on Sunday, church members, Jerry Nygarden, said officials from the church went to law enforcement after they received anonymous reports of the assistant pastor's conduct, but that the investigation was stalled because the police said, look, until somebody comes forward, until some of the victims come forward, there isn't much we can do while well, victims... Uh, Became started to become forward on social media. Duluth police confirmed that they're investigating complaints of sexual assault uh, and encouraged anyone with similar experiences to call 911 to file a report or to call 218-726-1931, the helpline for program aid to victims of sexual assault. Nygarden, Did not address specific allegations or the number of potential victims, but said there were several years ago, that most of these were several years ago. We need to preserve the integrity of the investigation as well as protect the privacy of the reported victims, said Nygarden. Who is part of a four four person in house special committee looking into the reports? You know, and you got to give uh, Vineyard or Vineyard uh, credit. They're not trying to bury their heads and and uh, try to cover this up. Uh, they've set up a four person committee. They're re- they're looking into all the allegations, and they said we will be addressing misconduct by anybody in our organization, no matter who it is. Um, so. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, it goes without saying that this does not mean that everybody in the church or all the assistant pastors or anybody else are uh, are involved in this. Uh, it's it just it was a period of window that happened where a number of people come forward. Um, one of the people said that when he was sixteen years old and her father had just died, Oversford said she went to the assistant pastor's mother, who was then also a senior pastor at the church. But now works uh, for the USA portion of the of the uh, church. Um, but Overforce claims were ignored by the leader. She said, "I was accused of having issues." In another post, she said the details of the sexual assault will remain private for now. She's working with investigators and plans to tell her story later. So. I think we have to give the church the benefit of the doubt and the fact that there are good people there that are working in a committee In a committee, that if there was misconduct, they're going to get to the bottom of it, and that's all I can tell you about this particular situation at the time. Uh, we're going to take our Minnesota news break, and then we'll come back and I'll wrap up our Tuesday edition.
2: KDAL time, 152, 36 degrees in Superior right now. The winds are west at 10 miles an hour, uh, but we do have sunshine. So feeling kind of nice over in Souptown right now, especially with the sun.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the weather gets a little bit better like this, and it makes everybody feel good. That's just nice.
2: My old stomping grounds, Grand Rapids, GPZ on the airport code, 34 degrees and sunny.
1: Now did you follow the yellow brick road while you were up there at all did you ever go over to the library the the old Absolutely I did. The they have absolutely
2: yeah. I did. They have a Carnegie library in uh, Grand Rapids. Not sure of the status of it today. I was living up there in the late 90s and I only lived there for a short period of time, but I continued to work there from Duluth. We would make our ways up to the uh, Grand Rapids yeah. Airport great facility up there. Great city.
1: It's a it's a great city period. I love Grand Rapids. Listen, uh, information is starting to come out from the state capitol about what the uh, Democrats are going to do. We knew that with as much money as there's floating around in the state of Minnesota that uh, a lot of Democratic what? priorities... Where did this money come from, Brad? <laughs> well, it came from you and I and anybody else that was paying taxes, buying things. Uh, you know, it's excess money, meaning overpayment of taxes. And as much as $17.6 billion of this surplus is now being spent on things like this, Kenny. This legislation went to the governor today, by the way. Millions of extra dollars for what? For Attorney General Keith Ellison's office to prosecute crime and the state public defender system to relieve the staffing shortages that uh, have nearly led to a strike last year. Some of the uh, staff said they were going to go on strike because there weren't enough uh, help. Democratic Attorney General Keith Ellison has been unable for four years to provo- to persuade a divided legislature to give him more money to hire more prosecutors now that Democratic controlled both chambers of the State House. Ellison is eager to get that money, and here's what they did today. The house uh, Monday evening gave the Attorney general's office a quick a quick two hundred and seventy nine thousand from the state's 17.6 billion budget surplus and they're going to give the office an extra 2 million a year hereafter thereafter on top of its regular budget the senate approved the money last week and the congress or, or the i should say the uh, the state congress approved it today went to governor walls to be signed very soon so that's going to be a lot of extra money. you're going to see some additional, and you know some of that needed to be done. There were a lot of cases that were just not being worked through, uh, so we're going to see a lot of that happen uh, in the meantime. That bill was passed uh, <clears throat> seventy three to fifty five Monday one week after Senate passed after the Senate occurred at, uh, or passed at thirty five to thirty two So the county attorney uh, have been asking for this for a long, long time, and there's going to be a lot of money there. In the meantime, we are starting to find out more and more information about the cost <clears throat> of the government shutdown because of COVID-19. There's a, uh, an interesting story out this morning uh, on Powerline by John Heindraker where they've uh, gone into the research that has been provided for U- from USC, from the University of Southern California. They tried to put a price tag on the COVID shutdown. And here's what they came up with so far. The U.S. gross domestic product fell during the pandemic due to COVID-19's lockdown and results in trillions of dollars in losses in these past years, a consequence mainly driven by mandatory business closures, according to a study by researchers from the University of Southern California. And you remember how that worked here in Minnesota. The governor came in and closed down a whole bunch of businesses. Said you can't do this, you can't do that. You can provide food to go, but you can't sell any any in your restaurant. By the end of 2020, the pandemic had cut 12.2 trillion dollars from the US gross domestic domestic product. The study published in Economic Modeling Journal estimates researchers expected total losses to hit about $14 trillion by the end of 2023. The study blamed involuntarily business closures as the leading cause, and we all know that some of those businesses, unfortunately, never opened back up. Some just didn't have enough resources to stay in business. I'm still amazed at how powerful a negative impact COVID is projected to have had on the U.S. economy compared to previous man-made and natural disasters and of course they talked about uh this uh the impact the cost impact of covid being nearly 100 times more than the previous largest disaster of the 21st century which was the world trade center attack back in September 11th of 2001 that sounds about right What we did to ourselves, mostly at the bequest or the behest of the Democratic Party, especially here in Minnesota, was vastly worse than what any terrorist could do. Uh, The study blamed three factors for America's economic decline during the pandemic. Deaths, illnesses, and mandatory business closures. The voluntary avoidance of activities that stimulated the economy but put uh, put pre- That was put out there to prevent infections that was the big the big one of those three. the study found that mandatory business closures had the biggest economic impact on the u s economy there is there 's much more on this link and it 's some interesting reading, but uh, uh, i don 't think we 're going to know for years to come the social impact of some of the things like closing schools and the loss of learning in children. Anyway, folks, enjoy the day. It's much warmer there in the Northland. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, with more sound off right here on 610
2: KDA.